Stand with me. We're actually going to read verses 9 to 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12, chapter 6, verses 9 to 12. We will read together in unison. If you don't have a Bible, there's a pile of Bibles over there on that back media table. You're welcome to one. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We want everybody to have the Bible and hear what it says with their own eyes. So let's start in verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. We'll pray one more time. Father, bless what we're about to hear. Lord, our ears are filled with everything else all week long, and they're dull of hearing. Our hearts are tired. Physically, we're worn out. God, don't know what to do, but we know right now what to do, and that is to listen to you. So speak. Because we're hungry to hear from you. Please clear out the, the cobwebs, clear out the, uh, the blockages. Lord, our lives need to be different. We need, we, need, we need something to happen that would make us more like you. So would you please change us into your image through the preaching of your word, and through the believing of it, God. It does no good unless it goes into the heart. So please let every person in this room know that this is the word of God. This is what we can trust with all our heart. So we love you. Thank you for gathering us together. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. All right. So unusual subject this morning. I'm going to talk to you about limiting our liberty. Now, it's why Christians should not do everything that they have the right to do. Hmm. Now, when we, when we read in there, I want you to read there in verse 12 again. You don't have to read out loud. Just watch it along. Follow with me. I'm going to read it out loud. All things are lawful unto me, but... All things are not expedient. Expedient means they're not the best for me. They're not the best to do. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, we talk about rights, and we talk about the, the, you know, the, uh, the power to do what I want to do. Personal liberties and rights are some of the most precious things any human being possesses. People have fought long and hard to have freedom, the freedom of religion. For countless hundreds of years, people were not free to believe as they read in the Bible. We have freedom of religion now because some people fought to give us that freedom. How about the freedom of speech? It's being taken away. If your opinion offends me, I'm going to put you in prison. Uh, The freedom of speech was fought for and is being given up. The freedom of travel. That has been pretty well shut down, hasn't it? People fought, and the the European Union was founded on the freedom of travel. (laughs) The freedom of association. How about the freedom from slavery? Freedom from oppression. People fought to free incredibly large groups of people. How about freedom from the control from a foreign state? Hey, Ireland put up a good fight for that and got its freedom from England, didn't they? All right. You know, I have a picture, I didn't put it up here, of three women in 1916 holding rifles, getting ready to go down to the GPO, amen. You go, those were great women, amen. (laughs) But when a person gets born again, they find out that there are times in their lives where they are supposed to limit their freedom and not do what we have every right to do. Look at, uh, you're in 1 Corinthians, go to chapter 9 and verse 19. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Does anybody own you besides a bank? <laughs> Listen, Paul says this. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. For though I be free from all men, nobody owns me. Yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. What was Paul saying? You know, I'm free but I surrender my freedoms so I can win people to Christ. That is a big statement. 
It's a way of life that other groups have had to learn. Think about it. To be a professional athlete, did you know you can't do what you want? Do you know for six to eight months out of the year, a professional athlete is very limited in what they can do. They're completely restricted. They're not free to live and do and eat as they please. They don't take holidays. They work the hardest during the weekend when you're sitting on your couch eating pizza. Athletes get up early and they force themselves to go to bed early. They have a schedule seven days a week. They are limited in what they can do. Question, is it illegal to stay up all night? Now, if, if your mom makes it illegal, then it's illegal. But when you're a grown person, is it illegal to stay up all night? No, it's not. Is it illegal to watch TV or talk on the phone until 5 a.m.? No, it's not. Yet, athletes cannot stay up as long as they want. They cannot just eat whatever they like, not if they want to win that upcoming match. Uh, so th all of that workout is for something in the future. And they, they, they may be grumpy, they may hate the regimen, but they don't care because they have something they're trying to do. And so they limit their freedom to accomplish something great. Uh, how about the example of, once that disappears, seeking the best grades in school. Remember when you were a kid and your mom said you're doing homework. Yeah, but everybody else is out playing out on the green. <laughs> a telephone. Anyway, um, when, when, when you're looking out and you see all the other kids out on the green and your mom says you're finishing your homework, what is she doing? She's limiting your freedom, isn't she? It's not illegal to go play out on the green. But as you get older, you realize if I'm going to make the better grades, I have I have to limit my freedoms. I can't just do whatever I want. I can't just get up whenever I want. Uh, what about health? You know, uh, when I was younger, I, I used to drink coffee all day long. You know what? I'm down to two cups. If I, if I do three cups, I'm like this. All right? Something's happening to my body. Uh, if I'm going to have good health, I have to limit. Is it illegal to drink four cups of coffee? No, not at all. I am free to drink all that coffee I want, but I'll die of heart palpitations. I have to limit my freedom if I want to have good health. Amen? I can't eat cheesecake every night. Okay? Banafi pie. Oh, the best thing ever invented. I could probably have that once a month, and I probably would just barely die. Listen, if you have health problems, what do you have to do? You have to change your diet. You have to exercise, whatever. You have to get certain kinds of rest. The point is, what everybody else may be free to do, you limit on your own life because there's a goal you have. So the same is true with the Christian life. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are expedient. So when we talk about the Christian life, hopefully this will work. We're having all kinds of technical difficulties. It died. Oh, there we are. <laughs> we'll stop it there, all right? Maybe it's not working. I don't know what's happening. Philippians chapter 3. Go to Philippians chapter 3. I want to show you what is the goal, what is the prize of the Christian life? Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong, and Murphy was an Irishman. He was a corkman. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. What is the prize of the Christian life? Philippians 3.13 says this, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I have not arrived. I've not obtained what I'm reaching for. But this one thing I do, and I do, and I do, and I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before and ahead of me, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus what is, our, what is our focus? What's our prize? It's not freedom. I already am free. We're going to learn that. It's not just happiness, even though there's more joy being a Christian than I ever had before I was saved. I may have had, had lots of spots of happiness and thrills and things, but there was no joy. But now that I'm saved, I'm not seeking for happiness. I'm not seeking for freedom. I'm not seeking for wealth or power. No, our prize is accomplishing the will of God. 
I don't care how young you are or how old you may be, you are supposed to be doing what God saved you to do. Our, our prize is fulfilling God's purpose for our lives and succeeding at it. What is the greatest thing you can be commended for in heaven? Being smart, being good looking, well done, now good and faithful servant, doing what God asked you to do, whatever it is. So to do this, you and I often must limit our liberty, liberties and not allow, hey, not allow what other people are free to do to slow us down or hold us back. Because a lot of Christians look at the world and they see, look, look what they're doing. They, he's doing this and he's spending his money on that. And they just got this and, oh, um, they, you know, uh, uh, he just, um, I don't know, divorced his wife and got a new one. I don't know. Whatever the world may be doing, Christians have this habit of going, hmm, wish I could. Well, when Paul says, all things are lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of any, he's saying, I'm not going to let anything that I may think I'm free to do control me. I only have one person control my life. Who is that? And it's not Nita. It's God. And I said this before. I said, if you have only one fear, you have nothing else to fear. And that one fear needs to be God Almighty. If you have that relationship right, nothing else should scare you. All right. Um, uh, if you will, I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm gonna, we're going to look at, there are some restrictions. When, he, when Paul begins to talk about limiting our freedoms, he talks about sin. Do you know there are some restrictions on getting into heaven? You know not everybody's going there. I have yet to be, to, be at a funeral where somebody said, uh, here lies John, and he's burning in hell. <laughs> and yet, for the most part, that probably could be true with most people, because Jesus even said it. Wide is the, is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Most of the world is headed to a devil's hell. But every time I go to a funeral, we now give to you, God, the soul of the... It's wishful thinking, folks. There is, there is strict rules on how you get into heaven. You know what you have to be? Perfect. You have to be sinless. And so Paul says there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous, now the unrighteous means sinners, people who don't do right, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Hey, the truth is, sin keeps everyone out. You say, well, you think you're better. I don't think I'm better than anybody. Well, you, you think you're more holier than that. Not at all. On the basis of my sin, I deserve hell. If God were to start marking off all of my sinful deeds, sinful thoughts, sinful looks, sinful attitudes, I'm doomed for all eternity. Amen? See, sin stops us at the grave, and we go down. We do not go up. Look at that list. Fornication. Say, what's fornication? Fornication is any sex outside of marriage. That includes pornography on the internet. Idolatry is when you worship anything or any object or any person other than God Almighty. So if you find yourself bound before an idol, you commit an idolatry. And God says, I hate you. You say, what? what? That's what he says. God is very, he says, that's like a man married to a woman and he bows down, he kisses the feet of another woman. And no wonder there'd be a frying pan on the back of your head. You got to understand, God is jealous. Don't you get all upset over the fact that God has a problem with idolatry. Idolatry, adultery. Adultery is the abandoning of the marriage bed. And that is happening if television dictates what's life today. Used to be life was reflected on television. Now television tells people how to live. You ever notice that? All of the news media telling you what to think. All the social media telling you how to feel. No wonder we don't know how to, how to be a Christian. Listen, adultery is so prevalent. It is in every, every stream of life. And it is wicked. And it is, it is this attitude that nobody knows and I don't care. Effeminism. I mean, men are 
Boys are being grown up to be girls. Homosexuality, men abusing themselves with mankind. Thieves, how many like to be robbed? A couple years back, about 20 years ago, we had somebody break into our upstairs window and take all kinds of stuff from our house. I was so angry, but I was so hurt. I couldn't believe how it felt that somebody, while we were at church, Sunday evening, came home, saw this guy coming out of my window, man. I ran after him. You wouldn't believe it. Didn't catch him, but if I had, I mean, I'd be in jail. Amen. But (laughs) (laughs) folks, when somebody, you say thieves, thieves are not so bad until you've been robbed. Thievery, covetous, people are just unhappy. They they have to have, they have to complain because they don't have. Covetousness is a sin. Drunkards, revilers, you know what a reviler is, don't you? That's a fighter. That's what they'll, you read, you read and you watch about Portland, Oregon. Those are revilers. They're aggressive. They're not protesting. They're burning things. They're angry. And they would kill you if they could. That's a reviler. That's attitudes. Teenagers have it. And extortion. Those are manipulators who make money out of you without you knowing about it. <laughs> and you, <laughs> you're just lulled into sleep. By the way, by the way, you see that list? We all sin. You say, well, I don't really have a problem with any of those. God has another list. He's got about 15 different lists of all the sins that you evidently can, can end up committing. We all have sinned. Romans chapter 10, 3 verse 10 says, For there is none righteous, no, not one. 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all the education, all the money, all the good looks, all the friends you may have, all the, the Facebook followers, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Snapchat followers cannot make up for the fact that you are not good enough. You're never going to get to heaven as you are. As a matter of fact, I want to say something really powerful here, and that is hell is full of people who thought they weren't bad enough. Hell is full of people that thought they weren't bad enough. Most people I meet, they, they realize, well, I'm probably not good enough for heaven, but I'm not bad enough for hell. Boy, they're going to wake up one day. We're all sinners. And listen, I'm not going to mince. None of us are good for the kingdom of God. None of us are. I say, well, how come you say you're going? I'm going to tell you. I'm glad you asked. Because we need to first see the bad news before I can focus, once it comes up, when I, when I can focus on the good news. Go to chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 11. Because there's some wonderfully good news. One of the brightest and best scriptures in the New Testament for the Christian is found in verse 11. Here's the good news. We have been made free. Verse 11 says, and such are some of you. Can you imagine, can you imagine pastor coming in and saying, ladies and gentlemen, I just left my wife for another woman. I am a Christian adulterer. <laughs> Shoot me dead. I'm a Christian thief. What? How can you do that? No, such were. It's in the past, amen? Such were some of you. What are you now? Ye are now washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. A born-again Christian has been made free by Christ. Not just set free, but made free. No born-again believer is working to become free anymore. We are free. As a matter of fact, we're free indeed. Free indeed means we're freely free (laughs) by the infinite efforts of the Son of God. Do you realize none of us are recovering? Well, let let me make a statement about Jesus here. One really powerful thing. What did Jesus do when he became a baby? Did he go right to the cross? No. Do you realize when Jesus was born, yes, we we realize he was born to die, correct? But there was 33 years before the time that he was born and then he was crucified. What was he doing for those 33 years? He was fulfilling every requirement of God's perfect law, wasn't he? He was doing what none of us could ever do. He, um, He lived up to all of God's requirements as a man. Now, God can live up to his own requirements because he doesn't sin. But then God became a man, and as a man, as a true man, he did everything that's expected of you and me, and he did it perfectly. But that wasn't all. Think about this. When Jesus died, 
He shifted all of our failures onto himself. So my failure to live up to God's expectations, here's Jesus living perfectly. Well, that's wonderful, but how does that help me? Well, when he died, all of my failures to live perfectly were then thrown on him, and he died with that. It's a breathtaking story called the gospel. No wonder it's good news that he did it all. We have been, he, don't you dare think, well, I'm, I'm a recovering alcoholic. No, you're saved, amen? There are, listen, there are no recovering alcoholics or recovering idolaters or, recording or recovering idolaters and fornicators. You know what you are? You're saved. You may be struggling with sin, but you have been made free from it. And you've got to start to believe that. It's like somebody who's adopted. When they've been living on the street in, in India or they've been living on the street in Haiti and they've been fighting for their food and then somebody adopts them into their home, brings them to the home, they need to finally start believing they are loved, they are wanted, they are welcome, they have everything they need, they can sit and enjoy freedom. Amen? They don't have to fear that somebody's going to rob them in the middle of the night of, of, of their uh, clothes. They don't have to fear that somebody's going to beat them up. They are free, amen? And that's what a Christian is. We've been made free. Go to Galatians. I'm sorry, go to John first. Gospel of John, chapter 8. John 8, 36. Jesus speaking. If you've got a, a Bible with the words of Jesus in red, these are his words. Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free... You shall be free indeed. When does that work, Pastor? When you believe it. When you believe it. Go to the right. Go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 is after Corinthians. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Here's Paul telling us. Galatians 5, 1. Stand fast. Don't move. From where you're at now that you're saved, stand fast, therefore, in the, what's the next word? Say it with me real loud. Liberty, wherewith Christ has, here's our three words, made us free. Don't move from that liberty and be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Folks, we are free. Isn't that wonderful? We are, uh, we, we are free of the bondage of all that sin, all the worry of all of our nightmares. Other people may bring up our sins, but God doesn't. Amen. God forgot about it. God covered it. Um, go to Romans. You're in Galatians. I need you to go back to the left. Find Romans chapter 8 and verse 2. We are... Now, even though I say we're free from sin, that doesn't mean we're free from sinning. Don't you wish? <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I think I've mentioned this before. When I first got saved, I thought I was never going to sin again. How many of you thought that when you got saved? Some of us actually believe, woo I'm never going to sin again. Well, we had a rude awakening. Say something we regretted. Looked at somebody or something we shouldn't have been looking at. and Disobeying something we shouldn't. Listen, Romans chapter 8 and verse 2. I want you to see this. I want you to believe with all your heart. Verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. What's the law of sin and death? It's like the law of gravity. I have something here. What is the law of gravity? When I let go of it, what will happen? The law of gravity takes hold of it and drops it down to the ground, doesn't it? Well, the law of sin results in what? Death. The law of sin results in death. The wage of sin is always death. And Jesus broke me free from that law. And he gave me a new law. Look at that verse again. The law of the spirit of life. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And he's made me free. Go to You're still in chapter 8. Go one page over. Look in verse 21. I like how Paul describes this. You know, every Christian in this room who's born again, everybody who's born again, you're ahead of the universe. You're more evolved than the universe. <laughs> what I mean by that, you are free like every creature, every molecule, every tree, Every animal wishes it could be. Because right now, this universe is groaning under, under the weight of sin, under the weight of 
human abuse. And he says there in verse, where am I supposed to be? Verse 21. Because, all right, well, yeah, uh, verse 21. Because the creature, all of creation, itself also one day shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, of decay, of death, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Somebody who's born again is already in the glory. I like it. He says, glorious liberty. A couple of mornings, I love waking up. I have been waking up for months now, like at five in the morning. It's a curse. But I, it, it, it is a blessing because during, during the, the later summer days there, you go and you look out. I'm able to look out from my, second, my first floor window, and I can see the sunrise. And when the clouds are just parting there and the sun, it's glorious. You know what a Christian is? They live in glorious liberty. It's wonderful, folks, being free. Now, I'm free from sin's grip, from sin's power and sin's damnation. But I'm, I still sin. But I'm free. Now, I want to talk to you about what do we do with this freedom now? Because I want to teach on this this month. We're going to talk about a lot of different things this month. But I want to talk to you about what do we do with this freedom? Question. I have a good question for you, all right? If we are free, and I, we are, can we not just do as we please? Huh? Can I sin and still go to heaven when I die? Can I be selfish and self-centered, mean and grumpy, and still be with Jesus for all eternity? Can I even live with someone and not be married to them? And still go to heaven when I die. <gasps> sadly, yes. I say sadly because we all know that it shouldn't be that way. It should, nobody should ever want to sin. Nobody should ever feel comfortable sinning. Amen? But my sin does not affect what Jesus did for me on the cross. It's finished. My sin, even now, 40 years after my salvation, is covered by the cross. So you see some Christian and they veer off course and they get into some sin. Oh, they just lost their salvation. Everybody who's ever saved, if that were true, we've all lost our salvation. We don't want to sin, but we do sin. And when we do, it doesn't affect the cross. We are safe. We are secure, not in our own perfection, but in the hand of Jesus Christ. And guess who's got a hand over the hand of Jesus Christ? God Almighty. And if, if somebody says, well, the Bible says no man can pluck us out of his hand, and so, so I can get out of his hand. Are you a man? <laughs> you can't even get out of that hand. He's going to carry you all the way to heaven. You are free from the fear of going to hell. Amen. But let me just tell you this. If you do think, well, therefore, I... You know, God doesn't require perfection of me anymore. Therefore, I can just go and live as I want. Well, you'll live a very short life because God is a good God and he's a good father and he will chasten you. And when you get to heaven, you'll have no rewards for your life. You'll be like moving into a big, beautiful mansion and having no furniture and no Ikea to go to. <laughs> and there'll be a lot of tears of remorse and regret in heaven. The Bible says God shall wipe away all tears because there'll be a lot of tears in heaven. So don't you get the idea that, well, I guess I'm free, I can live as I please. I'm gonna, that's what we're talking about this week, this month. The truth is we were saved from hell's eternal punishment, not so that we can live as we please. I need you to go to Titus. First and second Timothy, then comes Titus chapter two and verse 11. Titus 2, 11. Titus 2.11, beautiful verse, talking about the grace of God. Verse 11 says this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. What is, what is the grace, the kindness of God teach us? That denying ungodliness in me, I should deny it, I should reject it, I shouldn't want it, and worldly lusts, we should live how? Soberly, with our, with our mind, righteously, and godly in this present world. Go to back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 5 and verse 14. 
2 Corinthians 5.14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. I mean, that constrain is a squeezing term. It's like when you're, when you're walking one way and you start to go this way and somebody grabs you and says, no, 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 stay on the track. God's love, Christ's love constrains us, focuses us to stay on the narrow path because we thus judge that if one, Jesus, died for all, then guess what? All were dead. He died for everybody because they're all dead spiritually. And that he died for all, that they which live now should not henceforth live unto themselves anymore. But who should we live unto? Live unto him who died for, which died for them and rose again. Folks, we don't do as we please anymore. We actually limit our freedoms to please the one who saved us. Here's a great truth. All right, you ready? All things are lawful unto me, but they may not be best for me. Paul repeats this phrase. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll have you look at two scriptures because he doesn't just say this once off. He repeats it. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. And then we're going to go to chapter 10. All things are lawful unto me. That sounds pretty free to me. But all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Notice his defiance. He says, I'm not going to let anything that I'm free to do dominate me. Go to chapter 10 and verse 23. Chapter 10 and verse 23. Paul repeats himself, a little slight different phrase at the end, but notice 10.23, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. They don't benefit anybody. To edify means to build up, make somebody better off. Well, not everything you're free to do is good for you. Would you agree with that? Okay. The point is this. Uh, I should never allow anything to take control of my life, even though it may not be illegal to do. Hey, is it illegal to smoke? Yes or no? Did you know there's no verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt not smoke? I think it's dumb because the only creature that I found smoking in the Bible was the devil. Read it there in Job. But just, there's no prohibition against smoking. But it definitely never did one day of good to you, did it? Never benefited people in your house. It didn't, it didn't make you feel more spiritual. <laughs> hey, watching late night TV. Is it illegal to watch late night TV? No, but not one of you who stayed up last night and watched something you regret came in with a right spirit. All those images going through your head off of YouTube. There, it's not illegal, but it doesn't edify, does it? It doesn't bear bless. Uh, the kind of music we listen to, the Bible does not say, thou shalt not listen to 96 FM. It should. <laughs> but you got to go, is this edifying? Does this, does this make me want to go soul winning? Does this make me want to go home and serve my wife? Does this, does this motivate me to be like Christ? See how the Bible is really practical? So all things are lawful, but all things are not the best for me. You know, some people have sports and fishing and hobbies. Hey, is it illegal to go fishing, yes or no? Well, in some of these places they stop you because everybody owns the river, but it's not illegal to go fishing. But here's the point. Just because it's, you're free to go fishing, should you go fishing at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning? <laughs> you see, it's not illegal to go fishing at 11 a.m. and miss church, but it doesn't benefit you. Say, well, it's the only day I've got to go fishing. Go at 2. I go Saturday night. I don't know. I just know this. This is where we're supposed to be on Sunday morning. This is, we're not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It's the manner of some is. It's not, they're not going to hell because they're not in church, but they're not benefited. They're not growing. It doesn't help them. It doesn't edify anybody. So what is Paul saying? Real simple. Our liberty sometimes needs to be limited by ourselves. As I said, drinking is legal. Smoking is legal. Soon marijuana is going to be legal. Divorce is legal. That doesn't mean you should seek it. I'm looking at you. No. 
living together without any kind of marriage vow or covenant is legal, isn't it? Being angry and staying angry is legal. <laughs> Corrupt communication. We were on the street on Friday, uh, uh, and uh, this guy with a with a uh, sweatshirt on had some of the filthiest words blasting on the front of his sweatshirt. Walking down the street 20 years ago, it was illegal. Now, it's not illegal to use corrupt communication, say things that are filthy. You can't, you can't watch the news without them promoting some filthy word because they're quoting some rioters saying some things that you didn't even know what they meant when you were 18 years old. We have to, even though there's freedom to do all these things, we limit our freedom. Even though everybody else is doing it, we still live by God's rules. Go to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 verse 12. A lot of people say, oh, that Old Testament. Oh, glad we're out of the Old Testament. Uh, be careful. There's some things in the Old Testament that are finished. But you still need thou shalt not steal. Amen. You still need the laws, don't you? They are good. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 12. Wherefore, the law not was, what does it say? The law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Jump down to verse 16. If I do that which I would not, if I end up doing what I don't want to do, I consent, I agree unto the law that it is good for me. It's good to have rules. Because even when, when I, when I uh, go too fast on the road, what am I admitting? We need speed limits. <laughs> Amen? So, obvious, we need God's laws. James, James chapter 1. Hebrews, James chapter 1 and verse 25. James chapter 1 and verse 25. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of, what's the next word? Say it louder. Liberty. Liberty. What are we looking at? Into the Bible. So, oh, that's a book of rules. It's the perfect law that liberates. It's the perfect law of liberty. And if you continue therein, being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. Speaking to Christians, we need this book to tell us what is right, what is wrong, what should be done, what shouldn't be. Psalm 119.45, don't go there, but David says this, I will walk at liberty, I'll be free, because I seek to do thy precepts. You know, the freest person in this room is the person who doesn't do whatever they want. They do what God wants. It is, it, listen, some kid who wants to go out at 9 o'clock and come in at 2 a.m. in the morning is not free. A person who says, I submit to limits, and I even bring them on myself. This is the point. I bring upon myself so I might please him. Nobody else may understand what I'm doing. Well, how come you don't have this app on your phone? Because I limit myself to what I want to put into my brain and my heart. I limit myself. Well, your parents will never know. It's got that feature where it's invisible. You go, God will know. Amen. Folks, we still live by God's rules. And when he says, all things are lawful unto me, do you think Paul is saying, it's okay for me to shoot somebody? Do you think he's saying, it's okay for me to break all God's laws if all things are lawful? Not at all. He's in context. He's saying, watch this. All things that are lawful unto me, are lawful unto me. What does that mean? Everything that I'm allowed to do, I am allowed to do. But I shouldn't do everything I'm allowed to do. Amen? That's the Christian maturity that we're missing. Who wants to have a, a list on a church? So when you come in, check off the list. Did you do this this week? Did you pray? Did you read your Bible? Did you give out a gospel tract? Did you kiss your wife? Did you kick the cat? Did you feed the dog? All the things. Do, do you want a list like that? Or do you look at the Word of God, find out what are the important laws, and then you look at the freedoms you have, and you go, I don't need all those freedoms. And I'll show you why in just a few minutes. I don't need all those freedoms. 
because not all of them are the best for me. This is something very important. Let me say this. Hoshim, it's your birthday this week, right? How old are you going to be? He wasn't here for our birthday thing. You're going to be 12 years old. Awesome. Now I forget what I was going to say. I hate that. Let me see, let me see, let me see. I hate that. It was a really good thought, but maybe the Lord will give it back to me. Um, well, okay. All right, I think I got it. So here's Oshim. He's turning 12 years old, and he's, he then is given freedom. You can now stay out till 10 o'clock at night. I doubt your parents will let you do that, but I say, um, you're allowed to say, and he says, yeah, but I've got school. I'm not finished preparing for an exam tomorrow. And maturity, you're 12 years old. It's time for you to start being mature. And you say, thanks, Mom. Thanks for giving me that freedom. But I better go back and study. Wouldn't that be a good kid? Huh? Hint, 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 hint. Okay, the point is Christian maturity is lacking because we're waiting for someone to say, don't do that. That's what we're waiting for. Instead of, no, I've looked at it, and I don't need to do that. Your other friends, other Christians, those guys over there, you know, the, 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 you know, the sinful ones, you know, they may be able to go and do all things at 12 years old, but you say, you know, I'm, I'm not being a stick in the mud, or what's another phrase that you can use, you know, boring, or what's, what's a phrase, huh? Spoiled sport, fuddy-duddy. I'm not being any of that. I'm being mature. All things are lawful unto me but I will not be brought under the power of any. Look, um, <clears throat> Paul makes this point. We're going to read verse 13 to 20, and I'll be done. But verse 13, back in 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> and I always love the first Sunday of the month where I focus on a truth because this is only going to get better. Folks, this will answer problems in your home both between you and your spouse and you and your kids and you and your parents because what I'm telling you, you have the freedom, folks, you have the freedom to do a lot of damage, don't we? And we shouldn't. We have the freedom to tell that woman what she's... <laughs> yeah! This applies, folks. Watch this. First Corinthians, look at verse 13. Chapter 6, verse 13. Meats for the belly and belly for meats. That's kind of a unique phrase. What's he talking about? Food. And he's talking about fornication. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication. What is fornication? That's sex outside of the limits of marriage. Any sex outside of the limits of marriage is fornication. And your body was not meant to just be available to the highest bidder. It was not meant to be seeking to live like an animal. I see dogs live better than humans. He goes on. He says, verse 14, God hath both called, raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. What's he saying? Hey, uh, there are loads of extremes about both food and fornication. Some people think that if you eat a very strict diet and you, you fast twice in the week, you're more spiritual than others. You ever met anybody like that? Oh, I don't eat wheat. I'm a vegan. <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> you're allowed to not eat whatever you want, but that doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to eat meat. Amen? And just because somebody doesn't eat meat doesn't make them more spiritual when I do eat meat. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? And look what he says about our bodies. Um, now, there's also the other side where people just eat whatever they want and they die at 29 because they weigh 1,400 stone. Um, there, is, there, there, there is two extremes, but Paul focuses in on our body, how we treat it. Because verse 15 says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ. So, Mona, you're the thumb. Okay? Kevin, he's the elbow. Marcus, I don't know, he's the hip bone. Amen. All right. I don't know. All of us are part of the members of this thing called the body of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ, this collection of misfits, aren't we all, that have been put together into a church where a body of Christians, and Paul says, 
Shall we just take this body, this all these members of Christ, and make them the members of a harlot? We're going to put them with a harlot? God forbid. Yet, verse 16, know ye not, that which is joined to a harlot is still one body. They've now left. If you're married and you join yourself to another woman, you are now, in God's eyes, you're now one flesh with her. Ladies, with him. It's called adultery, and it is not just a fling, it's a disaster. It takes a miracle to correct that, to fix that. It does happen. But he says, is that what we should be doing as a Christian? Should I, because I have an opportunity, because I have the freedom to fool around with the world, to leave Christ and to go and to get into sin, should I do that? No, because what you're doing is you're joining yourself to that sin. Are you free to do it? Oh, yeah, you're free. But it'll probably cost everybody you know probably destroy your home, your family. When Christians, let me be real plain. When Christians in this church step out and, and get into some deep sin, it hurts all of us. It happens. It's going to happen. But it hurts all of us. It's something that, that wow, Paul uses words, God forbid, may it never happen. Verse 17 because he that is joined unto the Lord, hey, that's where our relationship is. We are one spirit. So what's our conclusion? Paul's point is flee fornication. That's our point. Um, and our, our, I'm not sure why he's not moving. Oh, I didn't get to say this. Look at verse 15 because this is really powerful. He says, know you not that your bodies are the members? Of, oh, I said, I should be verse 14. Oh, we lost it. Okay, if he brings it, he brings it back. Just follow me for a moment. Um, if I can find my spot there. In verse 14, evidently God thinks your body is worth keeping. Now, are there people that you know that hate themselves? Don't say it's you. <laughs> but there are people who hate themselves. They can't look into a mirror. You pull a camera out and they go, no, no, no. I don't know what goes on inside of their mind or their heart, but some of them actually hate themselves. God doesn't. You say, well, God made me with this big freckle on my face. God made me because I walk with a limp. Well, God made me without the ability to walk. Well, God made me. Listen, God thinks you are awesome enough to make different than everybody else. That's called creativity. That's what, a, that's what a creator does. He makes something that stands out. So don't be so judgmental on yourself and say, well, I'm not handsome, I'm not beautiful, I'm not popular. God says, even though your body goes into the grave, he's coming back for it. Now, Mona, when you put your rubbish, who takes the rubbish down your hill? Mount Everest. When, when she's taking that rubbish bin down the hill, do you go, oh, come back, I miss my rubbish? No. You see, I think this body stinks. I think this body gets me in a lot of trouble. I think this body is pretty well near trash. So when it's buried, I want to say bye-bye, gone, don't ever look it up again, amen? And yet God says, I'm going to bring it back up and I'm going to perfect it because I think your body, as it is now. E.T., how old are you? You're 16. I thought I heard you said you were 17. Maybe you guessed he was 17. Maybe that was it. 16 years old, your body is absolutely the best it will ever be. Don't let this world defile and ruin it. And even if it does, let me tell you, God thinks it's worth coming back for it. He's going to raise it up. Verse 15 says, he will also raise us up by his own power. So look at verse 16. Therefore, I'm sorry, verse uh, 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, and he that committeth fornication, he sins against his own body. Every time you're looking at that pornography, every time you're thinking it's okay to live with somebody and not be married, you're not just sinning, you're sinning against yourself. You're ruining, if you ever do get married, you're ruining your wedding night. Amen. What we think is we're free to do has consequences he says flee run from get away from fornication verse 19 and then he says 
Um, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God, not just in my spirit, but in my body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are just as holy and special as Solomon's temple was in the Old Testament. Think about that. The Holy Spirit of God actually is living inside every believer in this room. And God bought you when you were a slave to sin. And he made you free. But here's the difference. When he made you free, he asked you to now be with him. And this is, this is the freedom. You can say, thanks for saving me, Jesus, but I got my life to live. You have the freedom to do that. All things are lawful unto me, but it's not the best for me. And I will not let that freedom determine what I do with my life. Because it's not just me that's at stake when I try to live as I please. There are more, let me make this final statement, there are more important things than my personal rights. What could be more important than my personal rights? You know what it is? Reaching the world with the lost, with the gospel. Reaching the world. Think about this for a minute. I read of a couple of missionaries who went to Africa and there was a huge, huge compound where slaves were being brought in every day in chains. And they were being shipped off every day up to Europe, every day, thousands brought in, thousands going out. And they tried to go in and give them the gospel. This was back in the very early 1600s. And they tried to go in to give them the gospel because these men and women were going off into the most abusive, shortest life you could ever imagine. And they says, at least let's give them the gospel. And the English company that was running the thing wouldn't let them get close. You know what they decided to do? Let me shut this up. Um, you know what they decided to do? They went up and they says, buy me. Make me a slave. Now, they didn't let them. The English company wouldn't let them be slaves. But I like their heart. I like the fact that they saw if it cost me losing my life and my rights in order to win some people for Christ, I'll lose my rights. I'll lose every missionary that I know of has had to lose some degree of comfort, has had to say goodbye to family, sell their home, put things away and say, if I never come back, I want to go win somebody to Christ in a foreign land. And often I have read too many stories and it grieved me for so much of my early Christian life. I read, Niall, I want you to understand, I read about missionaries who, when they would go to Saudi Arabia, six months later they were dead. I said, why is that? They should be given, they should be so spiritually protected in a bubble. They should be allowed to win so many thousands. And they died, and somebody else would go, and then they would die. And then somebody would go to Calcutta, and they, they would only live because of the disease a few years before they would succumb to all the disease, and they would die. And I was like, why? You know what God was telling me? It's a cost. You have to give up your right for a nice, long, comfortable life if you want to win a soul. And I can't just protect you. And make it so it's so easy because then for everybody would do it. But I want you to want to mature and say, I will give up my rights, my powers. That some sinner would hear, whether it's across the street or whether it's across the ocean. Go to uh, Galatians. You're in Corinthians, hopefully still. Go to the right. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, chapter 5, in verse 13. 1 Corinthians 5, I'm sorry, Galatians 5, 13 says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty. Hey, watch this. I've been called unto freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from sin's punishment. From sin's dominion. From sin's damnation. I have been called unto liberty. But... Don't use liberty for an occasion to the flesh for yourself, but by love to what? Serve one another. Wow. What's more important than my personal rights, Eric? You are. I don't like admit it, admitting that. 
But he is serving one another. He's more important than my liberty. You know, you want to shut the mouth of the critic that is upset at Christianity and thinks all Christians are hypocrites? Lose your liberty. Let them walk all over you. You have the right to tell them off. But you don't, do you? Lose your rights. And it says it stops the mouths of the foolish. How about weaker brethren? There are people of different degrees of maturity in Christianity. They just don't know much. And so they're still afraid. They're afraid that they might sin the unpardonable sin. You know, how many people phone me a pastor? I wonder if I sin the unpardonable sin. They fear. They fear losing their salvation. They fear um, uh, all kinds of things. They don't know. They don't know that they are free. That God doesn't give them that spirit of fear. It's the devil giving them that spirit of fear. They, so what do they need? They don't need some big Christian going in there and just saying, hey, it's okay, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. Come on, grow up. <laughs> no, they need a Christian who will set aside their liberty. I, did you know I can eat anything? But an, an immature Christian may look and see me eating something, like in the Bible, that was offered unto an idol. Say if somebody picked up a hamburger and said, to Zeus! In your honor, we eat to you. And then hands it to you. I'd eat it. I'd slap him, but I'd eat it. Because it's just meat. It's just a hamburger. But if there's an, uh, an, uh, an immature Christian looking and watching me, <gasps> he ate to a false god. I look and I go, I'm not hungry. I have the right to eat that hamburger. But I refuse to because the weaker brethren would choke on my liberty. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is a wonderful month for us to learn about Christian maturity because this is what Jesus did. Did he not leave all of his liberty aside and came down and lived under incredible restrictions? And he, the Bible says he became poor that we might be rich. Not rich financially, but rich with all the riches of heaven and of this life. Stand with me and every head bowed, please. Every eye closed. Are you saved? Do you even know where you'd go if you died today? Is the gospel just something you've heard about, but it's never meant anything to you? Well, let me tell you, it needs to mean something to you now because when you close your eyes in death, there is no second chance. The gospel is that you're lost without hope, without God, there is no way into heaven outside of Jesus Christ getting you in. What do you do with your sin? You give it to him. It's called repentance. And then you accept the free gift of eternal life, forgiveness, washing, not through baptism, but through faith. Will you believe that Jesus died for you? Will you believe it with all your heart? And then ask him to save you. He does. He promises he will. Dear Christian, think about it for a second. You've been made free. What are you doing with that freedom? Did you know, I'm going to say something I'll say next week. If you have an Irish passport, you're more free than an American. You're more free than an Englishman. You're more free than a Canadian. You know why? Because an Irish passport can get you into almost any country in the world. You probably could go to North Korea with the gospel, kind of clandestinely. But the point is, what are you doing with that freedom? You say, well, I have the freedom to stay here. Yes, you do. But will you say, Lord, I'll limit my freedom for your will? Heavenly Father, we bow before you, thinking very seriously about this incredible truth that all things are lawful unto us. Everything that is lawful is lawful to us. It's, it, we're free to do it. But we shouldn't. Not everything is beneficial to others. Not everything edifies and helps others. Doesn't even help me. So Lord, I pray my heart has been pricked and every heart in here has been cut to the core and says, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm too pushy about my freedom. What I think I should be able to do. So I think I should be able to say what I just say and that's just me. And I, no, 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 that no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Well, I should be able to just do it. No, no, no. I want the Holy Spirit to be in charge of my life.
I will not be brought under the power of any one of my freedoms now because I'm under your power, Lord Jesus. If there's anybody that's not saved this morning, I pray they come to me, they talk to me, they get it settled today. Today is a day of salvation, not tomorrow. Don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. Pray that you help us, please, to take this, this month like it's the best month, the only month we've ever had, God, so we grow and mature. In Jesus' name, amen.